Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited to have my guest in Lindsay Manteco, uh, Director of Team USA Swimming uh, at the national team level. Uh, excited to have Lindsay on to talk about her journey, not only as an Olympic athlete, but outside the pool and helping grow the sport of swimming uh, as the national team continues to have success in the pool. Uh, Lindsay, welcome. Excited for the conversation. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of it. I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. So as you think about all the different sports across uh, not only the country, but the globe and and the impact that swimming has um, from an athletic standpoint, right? How you got into swimming, swimming can, you know, can be really in almost every single community across the country. And there's, there are probably certain barriers to entry as, as we might get into, but um, nonetheless, you just got to be able to hop into the pool and, and swim, right? So in terms of equipment and costs and all of that, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people can get into, not only on, on um, the youth side, but then as they continue to compete. So talk a little bit about your journey, how you got into swimming, uh, and then even a little bit into your Olympic journey and, and how you got into the national team as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. I appreciate that. Well, I think, I think, um, one th- one thing about swimming is that it's it's the only Olympic sport that could save your life, right? And so that's that's kind of one of a, a good go. thing. Yeah, you know, but it's it's also we have you know we definitely have some challenges in regards to access for communities across across the country and the globe. But that's that can be a conversation for for a different day. But um, something that I'm incredibly passionate about, you know, having the ability to swim, um, not only as a child but as an adult, is something that can save your life. And so that's incredibly important and. Um, one of the reasons that, that, you know, I started swimming was because I needed a rehab for an injury. I was six. I fell out of a tree. Right. Like, so, um, it's, it, my parents were like, Hey, two hours a day in the summertime and Lindsay can be out of the house and it'll help her knee. Perfect. So, um, that's, that's how my journey started. I was climbing a tree in my backyard and with some neighborhood friends and it tw- twisted and injured my, my knee. Um, the doctor thought it would be great for rehab for me to join, to join, um, the, the summer league swim team. And that's how it started. I mean, I think if you would ask um, any of my, if my, I think my mom actually kept my YMCA report cards from from my swim lessons that said that I wouldn't amount to much much in swimming. But um, so she has those. She has those maybe in a frame, but um, right next to my Olympic gold medal. But um, it's pretty it's pretty cool that you know swimming can take you on incredible journeys. Um, from from six years old, and I swam, you know, for all the way till about twenty seven. So, a, pr- a pretty long time. Lots of ups and downs, and and um, lots of opportunities. Uh, but and especially the opportunity that I have now to to sit here in my role and to help others achieve their their dreams. Talk a little bit about swimming as both a team sport and then an individual sport, and explain kind of for those that are listening, what does the landscape look like? Right, you've got people competing at the individual level, and there's also the team aspect, how does that play a role into not only 
as a swimmer trying to uh, achieve whatever success you'd, you'd want to in your career, but also on you know your end of, hey, you're managing individuals as com- competitors and also a team as a as competitor? Well, yeah, first of all, I mean, everybody thinks that swimming is an individual sport, and I completely disagree <laughs> with that with that statement. Yeah, you're the only one of the blocks at, at that time. Um, but when you're a young kid or even an, an adult, when you're trying to go to practice and, you know, practice is at 5 a.m. and it's freezing outside and it's pouring down rain in Southern California, you know, if you're doing it by yourself, you're not going to be very successful. Now I'm doing it with the team around you. The team around you makes you a better athlete and a better swimmer. Um, I also think that, that swimming is a team sport because I won my Olympic gold medal on, on a relay, right? That's a, that's the team event that we have in swimming. Um, but it's also the people around you, the support you get from the people around you, they may not be on the blocks with you, but they're definitely behind the block supporting you. And I think that it, that makes swimming very unique, um, in, in retrospect, but it's also, um, you are managing a team, you know, I'm right. Currently I manage a team. We have about, um, Molly can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about 50, 50 ish athletes going to our world championships, um, coming up next, next month. And so it's, you're managing personalities of all those different people, but it's a team and they all support each other. And yeah, at the end of the day, you know, when they get up and race, they, you know, some of my best friends are one of my biggest competitors, right. I wanted to win, but, um, but I'm still friends with them. And so on, and so want to be, um, so want to get to know them and get to know their families. But, uh, you definitely, it's a definitely unique compared to others when you're say a water polo team trying to win one medal as a team and, and you have um, several and swimming's just a little bit different, but you're still a team. As an Olympic athlete yourself, what was the mindset that you had to either switch from as you were competing as an individual versus in the relay? Like what were there different mindsets that you had to put yourself in as you were not only training, but competing from an individual level to a team level? Well, there's a lot more pressure as a team for sure, right? Because there's not a lot more pressure that you don't want to let your teammates down, right? And so cl- clearly when you're on the blocks, you, you know, if you believe that you've put in the work and done everything you possibly can do to be the best at that point in time, um, then that's what you have to do. But there's a little bit more pressure around when you have, you know, you have your teammates, you don't want to let them down. And, you know, if it, I remember one one year, um, actually, I think, I think Kobe Bryant said this to one of, one of our athletes at one of the Olympics, maybe it might've been a way where they were like, man, the, the amount of pressure, like if I have a bad day, I've got my teammates to pick me up, right? You, if you have a bad day, you don't necessarily have that, that situation. And so you, you want to make sure that, that the pressures are different um, for sure. And so um, it's a little, it's just a different mindset, but you've, but you've grown up that way. Right. I mean, since I was six years old, standing on the blocks by myself, that's how I, how I swam. Right. So when I was 26, it was the same. It was just little old me, little six-year-old me getting on the block swimming. What's the biggest lesson you've been able to take from your competing days at the Olympic level, uh, you know, competing against some of the best in the world to then we'll call it the office, right? Like the, the professional world where yes, you're still very involved in, uh, the team aspect, the uh, and everything else that goes into it, but um, certainly a different role now in your career. What's the biggest lesson that you've been able to take that's transferred over um, into your work on a day to day basis? Gosh, that's a really you know that's a really good question. I think I think you know when I was younger, I would say you know you know learning time management, discipline, putting in the hard work. Hard work you know pays off, and now I think it's the ability to. Um, build relationships, um, make hard decisions, um, but also know 
you know, kind of know, know your audience. There's so many, there's so many different things that, you know, know that not everybody is going through, not everybody's having a great day all the time. Right. And so having some empathy and, and so all those kinds of different things, you know, I think, I think I would definitely, um, change that, change that a little bit because I would go to the pool and, you know, I could be having a great day, but my teammate could be not having a great day and having empathy for them or vice versa. And now coming into the office, kind of having that same kind of reflection back, but, you know, there's so many things that, that swimming taught me and, you know, goal setting, gosh, the list just goes, goes on and on the ability to always want to try to be better. Every single time you go to the pool, every single time you come in the office, you just want to be, you just want to make you, you want to be better to help to help the people you're serving. And that, that's kind of something that I've, that I've thought of, you know, my whole career has been that way. Yeah. There's a little bit of that elite mindset, right. Where no matter what you're doing, you're just always trying to do it to the best of your capacity, to your potential. Right. Um, is there something that you're seeing in athletes today that is different than, you know, when you were competing, um, and even just teammates and, and people you competed against along the way? Yeah, I think, I think too. I, I, clearly. I mean, I clearly, clearly think the athlete is different now than it was 20 years ago. Um, the sport is different than it was, than it was 20 years ago. Um, and so I think that there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, it's a little bit more. It's, you don't see it so much in swimming, but you still see it a little bit more of the me culture a little bit. Um, but but it always fascinates me how we can put a group of 50 athletes together, many of them from set, from different clubs, colleges, universities around the country. And we put them together for a camp and they all come together and they all want to represent Team USA and still be the best, right? At the end of the day, they still want to compete and they still want to be the best at what they do. The sports change, how they for you know, prepare for it is different, but at the end of the day, they still want to, they still want to be the best in the world. As, as athletes are training and uh, this may be something that people don't know, but are, are they from a workout, from a training standpoint, mental training, mental strength, what does a day in the athlete look like for those that do they swim eight hours a day? I mean, what, <laughs> what is, <laughs> what is an Olympic swimmer, uh, you know, training regimen look like? Sure. It's so funny. People always ask me that. They, they ask me that question. I basically worked out, you know, in a tip in a, you know, a week, I worked out like 40 hours a week. So I worked, you know, you know, I put, put in a job for a race that lasted two minutes long. Right. And so that's kind of, if you put that in perspective, it's, you know, a lot of them um, swim twice a day, they do weight training, they do, you know, mental training, they do, you know, yoga, they do pre- pre-workout, pre-workout training, you know, warm up, stretching after workout yoga. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, each athlete is different and that, but that is what makes our sport super unique and really good. The diversity in our sport and how people approach each athlete approaches it is, is different. Each athlete approaches it in a different way. And that's the way that works for them. And that's what makes our, I think what makes our sport unique and incredibly special. And that's why we're, I think why we're continue to be the best in the world. And as you think about coaching these different athletes, right, they obviously have a unique talent. And so you're just trying to figure out, hey, how do you foster that talent, put it all together um, for, a, you know, a, a winning culture in your mind, as, as you've been doing this for, for quite a few years, what does a culture look like um, that has to be able to win at a certain level, but also there's a bigger mission behind it, right? There's a bigger, bigger purpose. It's growing the sport across not only the country, but the world. There's uh, people, you know, all, you know, kids of all ages, right? Looking up at these individuals as role models. 
how do you build a culture with that in mind? Well, I think it's, I think what's unique about our, about our team is that I don't have to do a lot of work for that. Um, our team does it, our team does it themselves. You know, we have a lot of incredible leaders that have been a part of this, this team for many years and they kind of help foster the next person down the line. Right. It's, it's just kind of the, the leaders take that amongst themselves and it becomes organic. Um, my, my job is to make sure that they, you know, understand like that, not just, you know, what they're trying to do in the present moment, but also the history. And a lot of our leaders do that. Um, just provide an open, safe culture for them to be able to talk, to be able to, to communicate, for them to be able to ask questions. Um, those are all things that I that I foster, um, and when I when I lead the, lead them. But it's really unique to see the culture come through, based on what they're doing as athletes. Um, they are they are um, not forcing anything. They are just coming together as a team in a unique way that is incredibly special to swimmers. They all know what the, each other goes through to get to that level. Um, it's not an easy sport the, a lot of them have been, been in it for many years and have put in the hard work and the dedication and everybody does it differently. And they all understand that. And some, some of them wish that they could do, you know, less work than, than the person next to them in the other lane. But, but at the end of the day, they know what works for them and they support each other and they support, um, the, each person's journey to get there because every journey is different. Yeah. Let's talk about that because it's unique in the sense of if you're in a team of let's say uh inside sales reps right it's like hey here's here's your script here's here's your goal yeah. here's here's what you're selling go right you yeah know, right start calling people and you know i even even think back to my college baseball days right it's like you have a pitching staff of 12 guys how are you going to coach them they all they all throw differently they have different body types right like different talents etc different mental capacities how do you teach each one individually without teaching them all the same thing? And I think that sometimes that happens in the business world a lot where it's like, Hey, we have this one way of doing it. Can you fit? Right. And as opposed to taking each individual for how they are, how they work, what their style is, what their personality type is, all these different things that you put into a box, right. Or a big puzzle and you try and put it all together. Um, what's, what's something that you've taken from that of trying to be able to put yourself in other shoes, sympathize with them, empathize, right. And so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I think I've, I've been really fortunate when I came into this role, I was, I wasn't the boss. Right. And so I've got, I had the opportunity to learn good and bad from several others, um, that came, that came before me. I have, I've watched, I've listened. And I think that's one thing that I, that I appreciate the most about, because not only do I have to manage, you know, the the fifty athletes, the co the fifty athletes, the coaching staff, the medical staff, the USA swimming staff, but I have a I have an office job that I that I oversee staff within my office, and I think the one thing that I like to appreciate, what I appreciate the most, and I give them the opportunity to do is like, this this is yours, right? This is your project. This is your role. This is your job. Make it your own. What whatever works for you. Like now here we've tried all of these different ways in the past. Some work, some don't. Um, but at the end of the day, this is yours, and I want I want what what works for you to. In, I want you to make it work for you instead of us you trying to fit yourself in the in a poll. And if it's if it's not working, then let's talk about it, right? Because I think if if we try to force people, especially you know now, I mean I've had some people that have worked for me, the entire time I've been here, they were here before I was, 
And so their, their ways are, they know their ways, they stick with their ways. Um, it's, you know, just even doing job descriptions recently, we had to redo job descriptions. And I was like, okay, this is the way you do this. If I was to put this job description in the universe, the person that, may, that applies for it may want to do it a completely different way. Let's, let's kind of rework this and figure out like, this is what you have to do. Just because this is the way you do it doesn't mean the next person has to do it the same way. Right. And so it's just kind of, it's just kind of explaining all of those kinds of things. Um, managing as you go is kind of probably how I would describe how I learned how to do this. Um, I definitely was um, pretty raw or getting my first job at, you know, 28 coming out of being a, a professional athlete um, in leading people. And so that's definitely a, a work in progress. And I still strive to be the best um, leader that I can possibly be every day. Let's talk about that transition because that's a unique one that not <laughs> everybody makes from going from uh, Olympic medals to, you know, then trying to lead people. But at the same time, there's something you can take from everybody's transition, right? And everyone goes through transitions, regardless of what aspect they're in, or, you know, whatever time they're in, in their life, and whatever aspect of one thing to another that they're going to it could just be simply moving to a different community, it could be yeah. um, going from one job to another one industry to another, etc. But what's the biggest thing you learned from the transition of you know, not only competing to then the the professional life, but just again managing people, leading people, um, and also doing that, knowing you have to have there's some sort of level of confidence that you have to give off, but you can't, you know, it can't be too much, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing I learned was probably to listen, um, and then going, it kind of goes back to back to the, um, the empathy, you know, like, like allowing, you know, I, I clearly didn't come in and know the answers to everything. Right. I had to learn, I had to make mistakes. Um, you know, I think in, and still, you know, no one's perfect ever. Right. And so, you know, the people that I had an opportunity to work for previously allowed those mistakes to be made, um, allowed me to, you know, figure out what those were, um, and then, and learn from them. And I think that, you know, that's what I teach my kids every day, right? Like, like we're going to, you know, we have to learn, we have to fail in order to be successful. And, um, I think I had some, some bosses that have allowed me to do that. And I continue to have those, um, those people in positions that, that allow me to make mistakes and allow me to learn from them. Um, and I allow, and I allow that, and I allow that in, in my job as well. And, and it's, it didn't happen overnight, but, um, I, after I had, very little knowledge of what I was walking into, um, but I really enjoy what I do uh, every day. And it's, it's, I continue to grow and I continue to learn. And that to me, that's what, and continue to be challenged. And I, at the end of the day, that's, that's what I want to get from my job. Yeah. You, you've kind of provided a theme of surrounding yourself with the right people, right? Oh, 100%. The, the, the episode, <laughs> right. But it sounds simple, but it's not easy, right? Like how, what, what are the things that you have to um, be self-aware about, recognize, like in order to put yourself in those situations to surround yourself with the right people. Yeah, for sure. I, I do pride myself on, on hiring the right people. <laughs> um, I do. I think that, 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 um, I, I, and I don't know what, what triggers me to, to, um, to do that, but if I have a connection with someone, then that, then that certainly helps if we come from the same values. Um, people ask me all the time how I can hold this job and have a family and do what I do. And, and I pick the right partner. Um, you know, I think that that's kind of where it starts and, uh, he's incredibly supportive of me, um, allows me to do what I need to do to be successful. And, and 
Um, I think that 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 kind of translates into into the people I surround myself with in my in my job, right? And so, um, but but allowing that freedom of you know making mistakes and helping them grow and and teaching them it's you know not everybody's gonna be perfect the first time and and I think that that's hard for people especially for athletes to realize right like you know you come from a high performing Olympic you know I was at the the highest level I've ever been in my sport right like I can't get you can't get any higher than winning an Olympic gold medal and um coming into a to a situation where I had very little knowledge of of what I was doing um or what I was hired to do but you know having to kind of learn on learn on the go and being able to do that and being able to allow others to do that, build a trust uh, within the within people, the people that you work with, and and I think that's incredibly. I think it's important. I think trusting the people you work with, trusting them that they're going to do their job, but helping guide them so they can do that right is is all part of it. Hundred percent. All right. You mentioned something earlier about world championships, and people are probably listening, going, well, "What does that mean? Uh, don't they just swim in the Olympics?" Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> what what does the sport of swimming look like outside of every four years when when people tune in for the Olympics? Like, what is yeah. going on? There's 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 obviously Olympic trials, but there's a lot of other things that are going on uh, on an annual basis that um, people may or may not know about in terms of not only opportunities uh, to get experience, volunteer wherever they are, but um, talk a little bit about that, what it looks like for the national governing body. Yeah, sure. So um, in the national team, we support, um, we have two world championships. They're typically um, odd years leading into the Olympic year. Um, this, you know, this obviously being an odd year leading into the Olympic year, the pandemic obviously messed up everybody's schedule and everybody's life. <laughs> but, um, but so we typically have, we typically have a large international competition every year and it's not just one. Um, this year actually, I think um, I wrote nine selection procedures for nine international competitions, which includes our junior team competitions, which includes our open water competitions and the, and also the pool, the elite level pool competitions. So we have um, one of the great things about swimming that we do is we allow, we provide opportunities for athletes to compete internationally the, le the year leading up to the games. So we'll have over a hundred athletes have international opportunities between July and October this year. Um, and we also have another world championships, which is really rare, um, in 2024 leading into the Olympic games. Um, that that's an, an anomaly that normally wouldn't typically happen, but we're about providing opportunities for athletes, um, you know, international competitions, domestic competitions, we provide programming, we provide mental health services, we provide physical health services, um, performance services, logistic services. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that go, that go on. Um, programming and um, selecting athletes for teams and then taking team athletes internationally happens every year, all the time. Uh, and so it's not just, it's not just the Olympic games. Um, these athletes are training um, in between that time, right? It's not, they don't, they don't just start training in January of, of an Olympic year and, and expect to make an Olympic team. So uh, they're working hard every day and trying, trying at the end of the day to, to make that pinnacle Olympic team, or like in this case, we just selected our world championship team and that's a step for them. Right. And several of the other athletes that are getting the opportunity to go to the Pan American games or to a world junior championships. Those are all part of their process to making it to the Olympic team. And you mentioned you stopped swimming around 27, 28, but like are the majority of swimmers competing in college and then going into the world championships? Are they competing in world championships before college? How, do, how What does that look like? And where does the college landscape play into it? 
it all just depends uh, on the athlete, right? College, the college system is incredibly beneficial for swimmers. Um, we rely heavily on college system. We rely heavy on their coaches, their facilities, you know, uh, clearly their athletes, um, are incredible, are incredibly important. We have, um, I don't have the, I don't have the breakdown of it, but we have, um, quite a few, um, college athletes on our team this summer, um, with a handful that are still in high school. That's, that's relatively rare. Rare. You'll see that more on the women's side, although we do have, we do have a couple on the men or one on the men's side this year as well. Um, but you know, it, it just changes. I mean, so we have 16 year old girls and 30 year old men on our, on our team this summer. And that, that poses unique challenges as, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but um, it runs the gamut, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint what, um, what one age kind of range is for this group because they, they run the gamut and, um, and we have to be ready for it. But the college system is a, is a huge, um, supporter of us. And we definitely can't, um, we have, we, we rely on them heavily. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you think, you think about even just the age range of 16 to 30, right? Like right. Mental capacities, physical capacities, like all of those different things, uh, life experience, uh, yeah. life situations, right. Just in terms of, uh, financial aspects as well, right. Of, yep. of being in a certain mindset, certain place. Um, that's, you know, that talk about not being able to coach one person the same way, right? Like that is a entirely you can't lead that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to lead that way. Yeah. And that's what the, when I talked about earlier about the building relationships, right? Like it's our job to build these relationships. So when these athletes get to these competitions, we know what, how they succeed, right? Like we understand what helps them succeed. And so, and that's kind of another reason why we do all these international competitions is because when we don't get an opportunity to go see hundred plus different athletes throughout the year. Right. That's not, that's not, we don't have the capacity to do something like that. So when we see them on a world championship team and we've never worked with them before, we want to try to get to know them, try to get to know their intricacies, what helps them be successful. So when we go to an Olympic games, we can, they can rely on us to help them do their job. All right. Last one for you, before we wrap up the episode with some rapid fire, what is, Oh the, no. <laughs> what is the, what is the, what is the growth of the sport? look like in terms of you know let's just look 10 years from now like where does where do you want swimming to be uh Lindsay in 2030 so I, I we do things in quads right so I'm looking 2032 is kind of yeah. what I'm thinking is what I'm thinking about about that question and listen it's it's really hard because you you know you sports are kind of going through a little bit of a movement but but this is this is a hard sport right like I want to make sure that our athletes are we want to continue to be the best in the world. And we currently are, we're having a huge focus on our relays right now. Like I want to be at the top of the podium, uh, at the, you know, at the end of the day, like winning, you know, winning medals, but I also want to make sure that's incredibly important in my role and what we do, but I also want to make sure we're developing the athletes to be, you know, well-rounded, right. To understand that swimming is just what they do. It's not who they are and, and helping them with that. And we have, we've started a huge, um, we have a huge mental health push, um, it, you know, coming from swimming. We have we've invested a lot of resources in in the mental health space, but not just the mental health space, but also helping athletes, you know, develop skills. So when they go into the interviews for the first time when they're 28 and they've that they understand that they can fail, that they can understand that they may have to start low on the totem pole and work their way up. Right? Those are all part of people jobs. Right? Those are all part of jobs that you learn maybe five five years earlier or 10 years earlier, when you're, when you're leaving the sport of swimming, you may, may not have, you just have to change your mindset a little bit. So it's all, you know, winning medals and being on the podium is clearly the number, the number one goal, but I want to make sure that we have an athlete that can look back on their career and say, 
it was a good one and that USA Swimming helped them and helped them be successful, not only in the pool, but outside of the pool as well. Yeah. And, you know, there's not this one specific thing that every athlete has to go do, but, you know, then you start to have an alumni base of of athletes to go on into the business world or or wherever they end up going. Right. And um, to see that lineup of success, right. And and whatever they go on to do in their other endeavors, um, pretty neat for, for you to see, you know, as, as the growth of the sport and um, to your point, you know, there's more than just after, competing per se. Yeah, absolutely. And I want, I want the young, the young athletes and parents when they're deciding to put their kids in swimming to see those kinds of stories. Right. So that they're not just, you know, the, the end goal isn't just the scholarship in in college, right. The end goal is, is being a well-rounded person and that could be successful when their sport is over. hundred percent. All right. You ready for some rapid fire? I'm going to try. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If you could have competed at the Olympic level in one other sport, what would it have been? Uh, Volleyball. Oh, volleyball. What? Okay. So what position would you have played? Um, I, you know, volleyball's changed so much since, since I did it, but I'm six feet tall. Right. And so that was tall back in the day. I should say it's probably not tall for volleyball players anymore, but, um, I'd be a hitter. (laughs) There you go. Uh, favorite, favorite stroke in the pool. Uh, freestyle. Freestyle. My favorite stroke to swim is freestyle. My favorite stroke to walk, watch is breaststroke. Maybe it's because I can't do it. And I think it's a beautiful stroke to, to watch. I think it's very um, skill-based. And so I, I, I enjoy swimming freestyle, but I enjoy watching breaststroke. Uh, open water swimming. If there's one place in the world you haven't swam in open water, where would, it, where would you want to go? Um, I would, we had, we sent our team to the Seychelles. I wish I would have gone with them. <laughs> that would have been a nice place to go to the open water. So someone in the open water, so. All right, last one for you. Um, you went to USC. Yes. Is there an athlete that you competed with or, or was, you know, colleagues with whatever that, um, you looked up to where you're like, wow, like that's, it could, could have been a different sport, but someone, someone that you admired. Um, yeah, well, I definitely, you know, I had the opportunity to some with some of the greats, like, you know, Janet Evans and, and Olympic gold medalists, you know, Lenny Crazel or Brad Bridgewater. Like there's plenty of Olympic gold medalists that came out of that pool. But um, I think Christine Quantz, you know, is, is one that I, that I've had an opportunity to continue to have a relationship with, um, you know, and, and watch and just be a part of her journey as well. And, and, you know, she's a coach in Southern California and, and I just, um, I think her actually attending USC is one of the reasons I went there and, um, you know, I've been able to do what I've been able to do since because of that. You probably didn't get to watch too many sports since you were competing all the time, but was there a sport there that you enjoyed watching? Was there another one? Um, well, I would go to, I would definitely go to a lot of the volleyball games, both men and women. Um, that that's something that I definitely, um, enjoyed. I didn't get much of that, you know, growing up in small town, Indiana. So, um, hanging with, with athletes that, that are your height was, was pretty fun for me. There you go. Uh, Lindsay, <laughs> really appreciate the time, perspectives, insights. Um, thank you for joining the Life in the Front Office podcast and welcome on anytime in the future. I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.